This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for November 5th, 2023. The title of the message is Blessed Poverty. We now come to um, the reading of God's Word. Uh, we began, uh, in, in, we had an introduction to our series through um, beginning uh, with the Beatitudes. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, I will read the first three verses. And, and if you would note um, the, re the response, uh, the lead and the response there after the reading. But before we hear God's word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask him for his help. Our Father, we come to you this morning Lord, as we read your word, Lord, help us to really hear it and to understand it. Lord, would you clear away the obstacles to our hearing? Would you open the eyes of our hearts? Would you unstop the deafness uh, uh, of our ears? Would you give us your Holy Spirit to comfort us, to convict us, and to guide us into all truth? Lord, would you be with me, your servant, as I read it and especially as I proclaim it? that I would do so clearly and powerfully with the passion that your spirit gives to me. Weak though I am, your power is uh, perfected in that weakness. So bless us this morning. Help us to really see the blessedness of our spiritual poverty. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The grass withers and the flower fades. Amen. One of my most vivid memories as a young child was being part of a kids program at the local park in my neighborhood. I remember doing, I remember my mom dropping me off and I just thought this is the weirdest thing. And it's like, I'm in the middle of a park. What am I gonna do here? And my mom pointing me to the community center at that park and I remember doing crafts. Uh, I remember learning games, uh, doing puzzles. And, uh, and then going to the playground and playing on um, uh, <laughs> the, the playgrounds in the 70s, which you know nowadays probably wouldn't pass muster. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how I survived, right? And it's almost like, you know, how did we live before seatbelt, the seatbelt laws? And I just remember maybe, you know, without knowing it, I was perilously on the brink of death jumping off of uh, the monkey bars the way that I did. But I remember vividly as a part of that community park program, they would give us a, a, a simple lunch. It was kind of one of those, those foam plates, you know, and they had, a, a, they had an apple or an orange or a banana. They had a, uh, like a ham and cheese sandwich, or sometimes it'd be like peanut butter and jelly, and they would have a little cup of Jello and a carton of milk, and I just remember Wow, this is really cool. They, you know, I didn't even have to pay for it. And I remember talking to the lady, going, uh, you know, I don't have any money, 
you know, do I have to pay? And the lady looked at me and just laughed and said, no, it's free. It's a free lunch. You don't have to pay. And I, I felt like I won the lottery. I mean, you know, I was just so excited. I, I'm just getting this food and I don't have to pay. I don't have to do anything for it. And so, you know, because I thought I won a, a big prize, I, you know, I savored every bite, you know. I just was like, oh, this is so great. And later on, I realized that those lunches were free because my mom had enrolled me in a, um, in a, uh, a program for poor kids, for, for poor families. And I didn't know it at the time, but... Uh, I realized, uh, you know, looking back, you know, that the only requirement really for qualifying for those free lunches was being poor. <laughs> and, and I was so grateful. I was so grateful that, uh, that those, um, you know, Saturday mornings I could go and, and, uh, and I could eat and not go hungry. And in many ways, this is what the first beatitude is all about that the only requirement for receiving the kingdom of heaven is that you're poor. And not only that you are poor, but that you know you're poor. That you're poor in a particular way, poor in spirit. Look at what he says there in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This morning Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is for those who are poor in spirit, and have nothing to offer God except their need. And so I want us to consider the question. I want us to consider the question, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? When we think of poverty, it's usually in terms of money or material things. Uh, it can mean metaphorically uh, poverty in terms of power and influence, uh, that you have none. Uh, that you are exposed, you uh, lack uh, the basic necessities of life. Uh, but here Jesus is talking about a poverty of spirit, a spiritual poverty, a lack or a powerlessness uh, in spiritual aspects of life, that you are poor. And so what he's referring to here is the inability to provide for oneself in spiritual things and in spiritual matters, in relationship to God. And it has at least uh, f uh, f four characteristics uh, of a person to be poor in spirit. First, it's characterized by a deep sense of need for God. See, if you're poor in money, it means you don't have money and so you need it. Right? So if you're poor in spirit, it means you need God's spirit because you don't have it. You are spiritually and morally bankrupt before God uh, because the Bible tells us that we are fallen in sin. Uh, that the language, whole language of sin is in the language of debt. What you don't have, uh, what you are in the negative column with regards to the ledgers uh, of God's grace, the ledgers of our standing before God. We have nothing in the bank account, uh, so to speak. And so we are debtors to God because of our sin. 
that you are all debtors to God because you owe him a perfect life of righteousness and faith, but you can never do it. You can never do it. So what does this mean then in terms of our personal experience? It means we are spiritual beggars and paupers before God. We have nothing to commend ourselves to him. No merit, no righteousness, no riches of spirit. And so being spiritually poor means knowing that we need the spiritual riches that only God can provide. It means knowing that we need the spiritual riches of his grace, his love, and his mercy. And at the heart of that spiritual poverty means knowing that we need nothing less than the spiritual riches of God himself. Sometimes I think we forget this this wonderful truth that the most, the, the greatest gift that God could ever give us is not a better life, although that's great, more money, although that's, you know, not the worst thing, to have a a home, to have a family, to have a community, to feel safe, to have all of your basic needs and necessities met. Those are all good things. But the greatest thing that God offers us in the gospel and in Christianity is himself. Uh, That it's so easy for us to love the gift rather than the one who's given us the gift. And so to know that we are spiritually poor is to know that we need, we need God. The riches in which he has in himself, his glory, his grace, his compassion, his mercy, his power, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his insight, his omniscience, his omnipotence, all the things that make God who he is is what we need. And knowing that we need him is at the heart of what it means to be poor in spirit. It means that, that, um, that, that uh, I think Augustus Toplady expressed so well in his hymn. He puts it this way, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Is this, uh, do, you, do you know how poor you are in, your, in spirit before God? Do you, do you think you need God? See, the more you know how poor you are, the more you will know how much you need God. And when, I think when Jesus says, um, blessed are the poor in spirit, I think he's talking about absolute, abject poverty uh, of spirit. Um, That you have absolutely nothing. You're naked, you are penniless, helpless, powerless. And, And so the 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 proportion of, of how much you know that you're poor in spirit is the proportion by which you know how much you need God. And so if you don't think you need God, what, do you, what does that say about your self-evaluation? Instead of being poor in spirit, maybe you're rich in the flesh. 
You're rich in material wealth. You're rich, you think you're rich and you have power uh, and you don't need God. And so I just want to challenge you to consider, um, you know, reflect and meditate upon how much you need God and that's what it means to be poor in spirit. <coughs> Secondly, <coughs> it's also characterized not only by a, de- a deep sense of need for God, but by a deep sense of helplessness before God. See, poverty is, a, is really a kind of powerlessness. When you're poor in spirit, you are spiritually powerless and helpless uh, to do anything before God. And so this is why Paul says in Ephesians that we are spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins. And because we're spiritually dead, we are spiritually helpless to do anything to earn or merit anything before God. Uh, The best illustration of this is when Jesus, throughout the Gospels, heals the blind, the deaf, and the crippled, that their physical physical, uh, maladies, their physical crippling, their physical uh, helplessness is a picture of our spiritual condition. So when Jesus physically heals uh, the cripple, the blind, uh, the deaf, he heals them so that they are restored and healed and they can get up and walk, it is a illustration of the spiritual, uh, our spiritual condition of being healed before God. But before that, we are spiritually helpless. Uh, This is why um, the crippled man, he could not walk himself to Jesus. He had to have his friends carry him, and when when the crowd at the house that he was teaching was so packed that, that there was no room for him inside, what did they do? They climbed the roof, you know, ripped a hole in the roof and lowered him down. He was absolutely helpless to come to Jesus. Uh, or, or you have someone else, you need help, and so you have someone else go to Jesus so that he can come to you. And then Jairus, if you remember in that story, Jairus' daughter is on the brink of death, and so he goes and he begs Jesus to heal his daughter. And, uh, and then by the time he makes it back to his house, his servants come out and they say, you know, your daughter is dead. And even the and 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 that really reflects our true spiritual condition apart from God's grace that we are dead, and you know, uh, there's nothing more helpless than a dead body, and that's our spiritual condition. But what does Jesus do? He he raises he heals. He gives sight to the blind. He makes the deaf hear. He cleanses the leper. He raises the dead to life. And so we can do nothing. Uh, We are helpless before God, and we can do nothing uh, unless we abide in him. Uh, This is what Jesus meant when he talks about the, the, the helplessness apart from him. He says in, in, in John chapter um, in John, and he says in John, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so if we're helpless, it means we need someone to help us. And that helper is Jesus. But you, you'll never go to the Lord for help unless and until you realize how helpless you really are. Thirdly, the third characteristic is a sense of total and complete dependence on God. Not just that you need his help, but you're totally dependent on, on God for absolutely everything. Uh, this is the implication of spiritual helplessness. That if we are helpless, then God is our only help and hope. <coughs> and this is the telltale sign of what it means to be poor in spirit. That you depend on God uh, as your divine benefactor for everything. And so what does that look like? What are some of the signs that you truly understand just how helpless you are and how dependent you are on God? Right? Here's just a few ways to diagnose uh, the extent to which you depend on God. How is your prayer life? Do you pray as if everything depends on God? And, 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 you can't, you, and you can't depend on, upon yourself, you're powerless? Or do you not pray because you live as if everything depends on you and that you can do it? Think about it. If we really knew just how poor in spirit we really are, just how spiritually helpless we really are, wouldn't we go to the Lord more than we do in prayer. Why don't we pray to the Lord for help more? Why don't we pray as if everything depended on God's power rather than on our power? Uh, the reason is because we don't think we are poor in spirit. We think we have just enough in the bank account to pay what we need to pay, to pay the minimum balance for whatever comes due rather than absolutely nothing, uh, actually having a negative balance uh, in our accounts. And that we have to, that we're needy people and we need to ask God for help for every single thing. And this is, this is one of the ironies, I think. This is, I think, how we know um, how sensitive we are to our own neediness is that when you come across somebody who knows that they are needy, they ask you for everything and anything, and they have no shame about it. And, and, and I guess we as middle-class American people, we're like, oh, don't ask me to do that. I don't have money. I don't have time. You're asking too much of me. right? You could ask me. I know I told you you could ask me for anything, but not that. And so we see these people as needy because they, they, they know they're needy, and so they ask for help. Can I tell you that that is exactly how we should be with God? But God has infinitely more patience, compassion, mercy, and grace than we could ever have. We ought to be the kind of people who know that we... We need everything, and so we go to the Lord for everything. Lord, I need this. Help me with that. Lord, that's what it means to be poor in spirit, 
because God is the only one who can help us in our need. O. Hallisby, uh, in his book on prayer, says this. He says, the essence of prayer is the heart of helplessness, is, is having a heart that, that recognizes helplessness. Look at, listen to what he says. Prayer is ordained only for the helpless. Prayer and helplessness are inseparable. Only he who is helpless can truly pray. To pray is to open the door unto Jesus and ad admit him into your distress. Your helplessness is the very thing that opens wide the door unto him and gives him access to all your needs. Uh, let me put it this way. We don't pray because we don't think we're helpless. We think we can take care of things on our own. And so this is one of the ways we can practically apply uh, the, our spiritual poverty. Another way to see uh, if we're depending on God is whether we depend upon him through his word. How much do you look to God's word for help and hope in your times of need? How often do you study God's word as if your life depended upon it? How much do you try to learn God's word so that you can live by it? Because if you don't try to learn God's word, how are you going to live by it? So if you don't think you need God's word, then you don't think you're going to need it to live by it. So how else are you living? You're living in your own power, in your own strength, in your own wisdom, not God's. So you don't think you need it. And so you aren't going to study it. Do you see the, do you see the practical logic that, come, that goes with understanding your poverty of spirit? But here is what uh, a person uh, knows who, who, that they're poor in spirit. Uh, they, they know uh, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Psalm 19 and 119 describe our dependence on God in so many wonderful ways that it's a light unto our feet and a lamp, a, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path in times of darkness. It is, it is life and revival for our souls. It is more precious to us than gold and silver. It is sweeter to our lips than honey. It is the delight of our souls and the satisfaction of our lives. The extent to which we depend on God's word is the extent to which we depend upon God himself. And we can only do that if we know that we are poor in spirit. It's not enough to just say you're poor in spirit. You have to know you're poor in spirit. And, uh, and the way that we we can access the spiritual riches of God in himself and in his grace is through his word. Ian Duguid, my Old Testament professor, he, he, he asked this question, and let me quote, what would it look like if we began truly to, to, to be truly poor in spirit? To begin with, our lives, and not just our lips, would express total dependence on God. This would transform our prayer lives. Instead of the optional extra that prayer seems to us to be now, 
it would become the essential and central focus of our lives. We would plead with the Lord to use all of our trials to draw us closer to him. We would ask him to use our sufferings to fill us with a sense of our weakness and our sense uh, to, and, and our sins to fill us with a sense of our own unworthiness and both to drive us again to praise him for our full salvation in Christ. And when we are perplexed and lack wisdom, we would turn to him to seek it both through prayer and the searching of the scriptures. And so this begs the question, if we are poor in spirit, uh, we if we are truly poor in spirit, we're gonna pray because we need God. We're gonna go to God's word because that's the only way to ask, access the riches of his grace. And so how does then the kingdom of God become ours if we're poor in spirit? How are we blessed if we're poor in spirit? And how has the kingdom of heaven become ours? The poor in spirit are blessed with the kingdom of God through the riches of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Last week I mentioned that Jesus begins the blessings of the Beatitudes. And, uh, and what that means then for the whole of the Sermon on the Mount is that it, it is begins with the blessedness of God's grace that he gives to us in his kingdom. And this means then that if God has already blessed you, right, and that all of these characteristics are supposed to describe you it's because you are already blessed with God's grace. And these, these uh, attributes ought to shape you because of that grace. So it doesn't mean that you earn. It means that you don't earn the kingdom of God by being poor in spirit. Look at verse 3. You already have the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, uh, as you are blessed, as you are poor in spirit. Notice the present tense verbs here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It doesn't say for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven or it might be the kingdom of heaven, but that for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a present tense. It means it's already theirs, not because they've earned it, not because they've merited it, but because they've already received it by his grace. They already possess it. Uh, They're already in it. They receive it by grace, not by works. They receive it because they can't earn it or buy it because that's what what it means to be poor in spirit. You You can't buy your way into the kingdom of heaven. You have to receive it because you're poor. And that's how God's grace works. He gives us exactly what we need because we are poor in spirit. And so what does that mean? Out of our poverty in spirit, through the gospel, he blesses us with the riches of his kingdom. He gives us the riches of heaven where we can lay up our treasures for ourselves, where neither moth or rust destroys nor thief can break in and steal. See, spiritual poverty means that you need the riches of God's grace that come to us only in Jesus Christ. And this is what we read. This is what we read in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. You see, Jesus took upon himself the poverty of our humanity and humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. He took upon himself the poverty of our condition. He told us that foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He bore the poverty of our sins. 
He bore the punishment that we deserved. And why? Why did he do that? So that we might bear the riches of his righteousness and of his glory and of his grace. He bore the curse of the cross so that we might have the blessing of his forgiveness and love. He wore a crown of thorns so we might wear a crown of glory. He was stripped of everything he had, hung naked on the cross, poor in spirit, so we might gain a kingdom, wear a robe of righteousness, and have the riches of his resurrection and glory. See, this is the grace of the upside-down kingdom, the kingdom in which the way up is the way down, and the way down is the way up. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Where everything is flipped, everything we know is flipped upside down. And, and uh, one of my mentors told me, because of sin, everything is already upside down, and what God's grace really is doing is turning the world right side up. That's the perspective we all ought to have. So that being poor in spirit is really to be rich in, in grace, to be rich in, in righteousness, to be rich in God, to be rich in Christ. And so this kingdom is given to the poor, not the rich, to the feeble, not the mighty, to the little children humble enough to accept it and not too proud to reject it. Only those who know they are poor in spirit will look to Jesus for the riches of his grace. And so, friends, if you are poor in spirit, if you know you need the riches of God's kingdom and of his love and grace for you, then I want to invite you to look to Jesus in faith and receive him you receive everything. You receive the riches of God. And you will have him, you will have all the riches of heaven because you have all the riches in Christ. You will have him and infinitely more in him. And friends, brothers and sisters, when you know that you are poor in spirit, You know that you're poor in spirit because Jesus, Jesus humbled himself so that he who was rich became poor just like you so that by his poverty, when you know that you are poor, by his grace, you are truly rich, truly rich. And no one can take that away from you. How wonderful that would be. How, how, how much that would transform all of our fears and anxieties. That we think that we don't have enough. But in Christ we have everything and more. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the blessedness of being poor in spirit. Though at first we may not understand what that means. Lord, help us to understand it more and more so that by the by being poor in spirit, knowing how much we need you, we will look to you and we will find uh, the riches of your grace in and through you. Lord, would you transform the way that we see ourselves and of our lives and those around us 
through that prism of the riches of your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.